The sermon passage for today comes from 1 Samuel, chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite. For I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord and invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him, trembling, and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably I come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came... He looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab. And made him pass before Samuel, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and has beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this special day and for the special privilege I have to preach this word. I pray, Lord, that your spirit will be with us in a very special way. I pray that you will anoint Pastor Tim in a special way this day for the work that you have called him to as senior pastor. I thank you 
that the baton of leadership passes from one to another. And I consider it a great privilege. Holy Spirit, speak through me now. And I pray that we will hear a word that we need to hear for ourselves today, all of us, in Jesus' name. Amen. Today is not a small day in the life of our church. It is no small thing, the installation of a pastor. It is not a job promotion for Pastor Tim. Although he has new responsibilities, and although it is a position of a higher stature, he has the responsibilities of leading all of you. And not only does he have that privilege, but he must answer to God for his leadership. It is a serious calling. And I know that Pastor Tim knows this, feels the weight of it, takes it seriously. And above all else, trust God to help him fulfill it. It is not a small thing for our congregation today either. You have spent much time in prayer considering who will be your next senior pastor. And you have spent much time discerning together who the man that God would choose to lead you as a people. And you have voted overwhelmingly for Pastor Tim. A huge change from when I came. Which shows how much the congregation has become unified. Seeking God's will above everything else together and able to discern it with one another. With you, I believe overwhelmingly in him. I believe overwhelmingly that God has set him apart for this important responsibility and privilege. But for you as a congregation, it also means that you will submit yourself to his authority as teacher of the word of God and as an anointed leader and shepherd working with the other elders in this church to lead and guide us to fulfill all of God's promises. To us and to the world beyond us. In my last act of senior leadership, I want to share some important thoughts with all of you about being anointed. Now the truth is, biblical words can be unfamiliar to us, especially if we are more secularized in the culture. 
So I'd like to define what it means to be anointed and the origins of it to help us better understand it. To anoint something is to pour oil or ointment onto a person or an object in a ritualistic fashion. We see this first done by Jacob in Genesis when he pours oil on a rock and then on a pillar and then on an altar to consecrate them as holy and to memorialize what God had done in those places and the promises God had made to him. But later in the Old Testament, we see that anointing was practiced when people were set apart or consecrated for service in a special office for the service of the Lord. The first reference we find in Leviticus. When Moses wrote that God commanded the high priest should be set apart and consecrated with the anointing of oil. The oil being symbolic of God's anointing. The second reference we find in 1 Samuel, just before the actual text we read here, when Samuel anointed Saul as king. Again, the anointing was symbolic. But when Saul sinned, God removed the anointing from Saul and had Samuel anoint David. Although Saul would remain king until he died. And the third reference is to the anointing of a prophet. When Elisha was anointed by Elijah. Again, the anointing with oil is symbolic. I tried to convince Pastor Tim that he should grow his beard and we could pour oil over his head and it might drip from his beard as in the scriptures. I couldn't even get him to grow a soul patch. So, We won't anoint him with oil. We know that it is only symbolic of God's anointing. Now all of these anointings, priest, king, prophet, they are all pale reflections of the true anointed one of God. Jesus. He embodied the roles of priest and king and prophet perfectly. The word Messiah is in fact derived from the word anointed. And Christ, the Greek word, is also means the same thing and derived from what it means to be anointed. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit. And he carried out these roles of priest and king and prophet on our behalf. There is one more anointing in Scripture. 
It is an anointing that comes to all who profess Jesus as Savior and Lord. The Word of God says that God has called us, set us apart, and consecrated us, anointing us with the Holy Spirit also, so that we may be His holy people. To bring His love and His light and His hope to all the world. The understanding of this is furthered by God as Peter paraphrases what God decreed in Exodus 19.6. Peter wrote, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. More insight from God comes to us about this anointing in Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. In other words, God has anointed us with the Holy Spirit to not only live as holy people, but to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to all the world. My point in bringing this to all of us is that while the message this morning has direct application to Pastor Tim and to installing a senior pastor at our church, It also has direct application to all of us who have been anointed to be God's holy people, empowered by the Holy Spirit to live holy lives and to proclaim the gospel and hope to all the world. And just as God anoints a pastor to lead the congregation, he all of us as believers to fulfill the great commission of sharing the gospel with all the world. So as I speak today about the anointing of David, I want you to also remember that where you may not think of yourself as a leader, God considers you a kingdom leader. Leadership is influence. That's all it is. And God wants us to exercise the influence that we have, that he places upon us through the Holy Spirit, through his gift for the kingdom purposes of bringing light and love and hope to all the world. Each of us is a leader in some way because each of us is an influencer in some way. A little background on the anointing of David. The people wanted a king. 
Samuel relented as God told him to. And God told him that he should anoint the man of God's choosing. It was Saul, who was a formidable man, large in stature, and somebody that Samuel would think, yes, people will be happy to follow a man like him. But when Saul sinned against God, and God removed the anointing from him, he told Samuel to anoint another, David. Saul served the rest of his days as king, but without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit rushed upon David, who was anointed by God to be king. There is some intrigue in the account that we heard this morning. Samuel was afraid of Saul. He feared that Saul would keep an eye on him to see who he would anoint as king. And he saw the man that God would anoint as king as his great rival. Fearing that he would be judged a traitor and sentenced to death, Samuel asked God how to go about it, and God said, Go to Bethlehem. Tell them you've come to make a special offering. Ask for Jesse and his sons to be present. I'll show you what to do. Now, when Samuel came to Bethlehem, the elders feared him. He was a prophet of God, and he often spoke the word of God. And they wondered if a word of judgment was coming to them. That's why they asked, do you come in peace? And that's why he said, I come in peace. Of course, what Samuel was going to do, he was going to do in secret. And he requested that the whole town, including Jesse and his sons, be present. And no one knew why. Samuel examined the sons. He was impressed by the stature of the first son. We read, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as a man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance. But the Lord looks on the heart. So Samuel continued examining the sons, one after another, after another. And the one that he was to anoint was not there. So Samuel asked Jesse, are there any more? And Jesse said, well, yes. There's the youngest. He's out in the field watching the flocks. And he must have been close because Samuel said, send for him and bring him here. And they waited for him, David, to come. By all rights, 
David's outward appearance, his resume as a shepherd, and his age were not impressive. But David became a great king because of God's favor. And God promised him that a member of his family would sit upon the throne forever and ever. A veiled reference to the Messiah coming through his ancestry. And Samuel anointed David that very day. And the Spirit of God rushed upon him. Pastor, it's my hope that the Spirit of God will rush upon you in a fresh way. Now David could have been remembered as a courageous and great warrior. He could have been remembered as a wise and skillful strategist. He could have been remembered as an impressive and great king. He could have been remembered as an inspired writer of Psalms. But God chose another description to memorialize David. It is a description that is in both the Old and the New Testaments. He called David a man after his own heart. And in Acts, as Paul was telling the synagogue in Antioch about the Messiah Jesus, He recited this story, saying that the Messiah would be a man after God's own heart, who will do my will, a son of David. Now scholars and pastors have some disagreement over what the qualities of an anointed leader looks like when we're thinking about what does it mean to be a man after God's own heart. For some, it means that the Lord sovereignly chose David and sovereignly empowered David and sovereignly fulfilled that calling of David. Ensuring that he was a faithful king. For others... David strived to know and please God in everything. They see that in the meaning of a man after God's own heart. Personally. I think it's both. The mantle of leadership of God's people is large and it is heavy. And while some are, are incredibly gifted and can do incredible things, all fail who do not ultimately rely upon the sovereign working of God in them and through them. But I believe that all fail to be who they can be 
if they think it is just God doing it and they're not striving after what they believe God wants of them. I believe it is a both and. I think that's what made David a man after God's own heart. Now while most of us think of David as beginning his call to lead God's people by defeating the giant Goliath, David actually began as a musician and a worshiper of God. As a shepherd, he played his lyre and likely sang songs of worship to God to calm his sheep. He was first brought before Saul to play that lyre. And it calmed him. We know that David wrote many psalms. Scholars tell us most likely at the end of his life when he had time. But I I wonder if he didn't compose many of them in some of the moments when he lamented or had some downtime as he did when he was a shepherd. We see David dancing before the ark. His wife furious with him because he looks undignified. He's the king. My wife often thinks I'm undignified. I am. I am. And I would be a fool for Christ any day and 10 days on Sunday. In fact, at one point, I wanted to do a cheer on stage and I was willing to be the foil. And it was going to be silly. (laughs) Somebody said, you can't do that. You're the pastor. I said, why not? If it pleases God, why not? David danced with all his heart and he said to his wife, I'll be more undignified than this if it pleases God when I worship Him. And at the end of David's life, he wanted to build a temple to honor and worship God. But God told him that this was reserved for his son Solomon. And David did everything to help his son be successful. This was the first quality of David. That he loved and worshipped the Lord. Now while David loved and worshipped the Lord, we also see that he trusted God above all else. You know, we often think of love and trust as going together, but you can love someone and not necessarily trust them. And by that, what I mean is, You can love someone, but they may not have the power or the ability to help you or protect you or preserve you. It may be through no fault of their own. But in terms of trusting God, David trusted him with all his heart. He knew that God would deliver him in every 
circumstance. This is why David would write in the 23rd Psalm, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemy. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Can you imagine about ready to engage in a war? And there you are, sitting down, having a comfortable feast, enjoying yourself, because God is protecting you. David knew that he was in the hands of God and that God would protect him and deliver him. Later, when the giant Goliath taunted the people of God, David said, I will go and fight the giant. Because David trusted that God would deliver him and trusted that God would even give the giant over to him to defeat the giant. When Saul asked him how this could be, he said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. All of his life, David trusted God to deliver him. And all of his life, God did. The second quality of David was that he trusted God above all else to deliver him from every circumstance. The Bible also records that David sought the counsel of God and followed it. Nine separate times, David asked God directly for guidance. Should I attack the enemy? Should I go after the captives that the enemy have taken? Should I leave this city because they'll turn me over to Saul and my men to kill us? After Saul and Jonathan died, should I go up to Judah and claim the throne? And when the Philistines had heard that Saul had died, they massed a great army to come and take advantage of that moment. And David said, should I go out and attack them? And when he got there, what should I do? And God said, attack them in this way. And as king, when the people of God suffered from a famine for three years, he asked God, what should I do? And learned that it was a blood curse upon the people of God and what David needed to do to correct that. We see in these instances, God not only loved and trusted the Lord, but he sought the Lord's counsel and guidance and followed it. This is the third quality of David, seeking the Lord's counsel and guidance and follow it. We also see in David, that while he was set apart to be a godly leader, he was, not only, he was not always godly, not always holy. 
like us, David was a sinner. But he humbled himself. And he responded to his sin in holy ways. And that set him apart. David's sins were great. He committed adultery with Bathsheba. And when he learned that Bathsheba had become pregnant, he tried to have her husband Uriah lie with her. And when Uriah refused because his men were suffering in battle, David sent him back to the front to an untenable and undefendable place to die so that he could hide his own adultery with Bathsheba. David lied about his sins. But God made them known to Nathan the prophet. And Nathan would confront David. And as we saw his confession today, as we worshiped, he confessed it. Later in David's life, knowing that God forbade him to count the men who would serve in the army, David nevertheless required it. In each of these sins, they were accompanied by grave consequences. Not only for David, but for the people of God, because he was a leader of the people of God. And we see in the prophets how the leaders have failed the people time and again, leading them astray. It is a serious responsibility to be a leader. And it is a high calling. And to be holy is a high bar. And to know that there are always consequences with sin. is a serious thing. David, though, handled them, his sins, in holy ways. This fourth quality of David was that he responded to his failures and his sins in holy ways, humbling himself, confessing his sins, repenting of them, and facing the consequences. (coughs) We also see in David something else that was more obscure, but nevertheless an important quality. Perhaps it is obscure only because his calling was to be king and to exercise authority on behalf of the Lord, to lead and protect God's people. But this quality that I want to talk about was also front and center in the true anointed one of God, Jesus. It is a quality that Jesus said was important for all of his disciples to embody. It is servant leadership, a willingness to sacrifice and place the good of others above ourselves so that they may flourish and know the Lord. Jesus said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you must be servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to give his life as a ransom for many. And Jesus, the anointed one, did just that. He gave his life 
as a sacrifice, taking on himself the wrath of God against sin. And that's the gospel. The good news that you and I have been anointed to bring to all the world to influence by telling the story, by sharing the witness of what the Messiah, Jesus, Savior on the cross, Lord of all, what he has done in our hearts and in our lives and for all the world. That is our privilege. And for those of you who may not know who this Jesus is or what this means, or if you have questions, ask someone. There are people here who can help you hear the gospel, the good news. While this quality of servant leadership is not as evident as the other qualities in David, it is present. We see it in David's faithful service to his father. Sacrificing so his father and brothers could go to the special event with the prophet Samuel. We see this in David's willingness to face certain death in facing the giant Goliath. We see this when David refused to take any harmful action against his king Saul although he had two opportunities to do so. He refused to put himself over the king who had been anointed by God. He would wait upon the Lord to make him king. It is no wonder that God refers to David in his word, Psalm 78 and 80, as his servant. And why not? David faithfully served the Lord, willing to sacrifice for the Lord's purposes to be fulfilled. In his own role, in his own way, David was a servant leader, ready to lay down his life for his flock, his king, his country, and his God. The fifth quality of David was that he had a servant's heart, willing to make sacrifices for those entrusted into his care. The big idea this morning is this. God anoints all of us for our sacred work. Be it our ministry in the church or our mission to reach others with the gospel, telling them the truth about the love of God that has come down through Jesus. The life that he lived, the death that he died, the resurrection that he rose, the ascension that he made into heaven and the promise of pouring out his Holy Spirit to his followers so that we may walk with him. God anoints us for this sacred work so that we may fulfill our anointing. As disciples of Jesus, You have all been set apart and anointed by the Spirit to exercise your influence. Your influence in your ministries and in our collective life mission, sharing the gospel with others, witnessing to the good news of hope that is in Jesus, the anointed one of God. Trusting in the sovereignty of God's nature, 
of his spirit working in you and through you. And seeking and desiring in your heart to pursue those qualities of God's anointing in relationship to God so that you may serve the Lord and serve others. You do well to believe and trust in these two things. I call you to that anointing and remind you of it, especially in this new thing that God wants to do with us. A new thing that is marked by a new leader, Pastor Tim. Pastor Tim, the calling of senior pastor is a high honor and privilege. It's also a serious responsibility. The model for us as pastors is not David, but Jesus, the anointed one who embodied three roles. Priest, prophet, and king. Priest as a shepherd caring for the people of God. Prophet, speaking and teaching the word of God. King as leader. Well, I've spoken about this to all of you. It is impossible for any pastor to do all of these equally well. Pastor Tim and I talked about this just last week. But I love his heart. And I love that he doesn't accept that he shouldn't work to excel at all of them, but that he trusts God to use his gifting and strengths. Pastor, It's a great privilege today. I know God will anoint you in a very special way as senior pastor. And I want you to remember, he goes before you and he is your rear guard. He will inspire you and to what he inspires you, he will empower you and he will deliver you. And he will do through you all the things that he intends. And I pray that you will do that faithfully. And that you will have the privilege I have someday. When you take that mantle off. To see God place it on a great man. It is a joy and a privilege to see this day and be here. I love how God has intertwined us in a way that will last for eternity. I love how he has intertwined us with Northsup. A wonderful community, faithful to the Lord. 
how I have had the privilege to share in that as senior pastor, a special privilege and honor. And now, a special privilege and honor for Pastor Tim. And for me to serve Pastor Tim in these months that lay ahead. And to serve all of you. It is a special day. I thank you all for this day. Thank you, Pastor. But most of all, before I thank most of all, I want to thank my wife, Marcia. And most of all, I thank the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for calling Pastor Tim to step up as senior pastor and to wear that mantle to receive your blessing and anointing. And I pray, Lord, that he will fulfill it through the power of your spirit, always relying on you. I pray that as a congregation, we will come around him. We will be inspired to follow him, to learn from him, to serve with him, to reach out into the community beyond our church, to make a difference and proclaim the gospel of Jesus to all. And I pray that we will live up to our anointing as well. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.